Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. This is episode number 18 and I am your host, Janae Ledger. Thank you guys for being here today. I have a very exciting guest today, but I do have a few updates for you guys and a couple recommendations and I definitely want to talk about how The Bachelorette ended. So let's get right into it. My recommendations this week are I have been loving the show Outer Banks. I know the season two just came out and me and my boyfriend are actually watching season one because he had never watched it. I watched like some of it but super into it. It's so intense. I'm always like oh my god what's gonna happen next? Um, It's been so interesting and it definitely keeps me on my toes that show. Um, and so now I definitely want to get into the crazy Bachelorette recap. So, so as we all know, Katie season has been quite eventful. She had two guys, I guess you could say, after Greg left, she had Justin and then she had Blake. And so... Blake met her family, and that was really crazy. Aunt Lindsay, I think her name was, was fucking batshit crazy. And But at the same time, she was just kind of telling Blake what was up, and it was so entertaining. Definitely let me know what you guys thought about her aunt. And so Blake met her mom, which was super sweet. Definitely seemed like they vibed well. Then she actually said that she loved Blake and then she kind of told Justin hey like this is not really gonna work out I said I love someone and that's kind of when it all got real for her it sounded like so that was like really crazy and then we saw Blake like picking out rings with Taisha which is super weird because technically they like dated on her season for a little bit so that was very interesting and you could see his hesitation and nervousness but I'm sure they like hyped it up more than it was but that was really intense and it almost seemed like he was like up and down and was like oh I don't know if I want to do it and so that was interesting and then you know we get to the quote-unquote final rose proposal spot which poor Katie had to walk in dirt with her beautiful dress that she had on and I was just like oh my god why would they make her walk in the freaking dirt with her gorgeous dress just like getting all dirty before her proposal or not proposal so that was very interesting I was like couldn't they have like dropped her off like where like the spot was that they were gonna propose like I just was like wow and so Blake you know, obviously end up proposing to her. It was pretty cute. I was kind of, I was kind of blah at the end just because I thought he really wasn't going to propose to her and just been like, oh, I really just want to continue this journey with you and let's just, you know, keep on getting to know each other. And I think that that show has such a, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to end with the engagement. And I mean, a lot of people are like, oh my god, it's so crazy. They've only known each other for like, I don't know, maybe 10 hours at the most that they've spent time together and blah, 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 which yes, valid, but that's what the show is all about. But at the same time, there has been a few people that have been like, hey, you know, I really like you 
and I see this moving forward, but I'm not ready to propose. So I almost felt like he like was being forced to in a way. I mean, no one is going to like legit force him to, but I felt that's kind of how it was leading to. I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. I mean, I'm definitely happy that she found her person and it seems like they're really happy. Um, so that was my thoughts on the, the, the whole thing. And then after the final rose, that was intense. You know, Greg came out and got to like say, you know, kind of have his closure with Katie, but it didn't really go as planned. Uh, and he definitely got bulldozed from Katie. She just kind of let him have it. And I was like, you go girl, tell him, tell him how you feel. But a lot of, there was a lot of memes on the internet that was like, clearly she's not over him because she went in on him. And so that was a very interesting end of, you know, their chapter, I guess you can call it. And, you know, they both wished each other the best at the end, which I thought was nice, but you could tell that there was a lot. You could cut that tension in half. Like, it was really, really intense. Like, you could just tell that they were both like, whoa. Uh, so, yeah, that was the end. And now we look forward to Bachelor in Paradise. So, let me know if you guys are going to be watching Bachelor in Paradise. I definitely want to. Maybe I'll even throw up some stories on my Instagram. Follow me at my naked mindset. Uh, and, you know, ask for people's opinions on certain things and what their thoughts are when Bachelor in Paradise is um, on TV. So that's going to be next week, starting next week. Cannot wait. I love Bachelor in Paradise. It's probably my favorite out of all the three shows just because I love that they bring people together from all different seasons and a lot of them end up falling falling in love. And, you know, we've gotten some marriages out of bachelor in paradise so that's obviously an amazing thing and some children that have come out of those marriages which is also beautiful and i just love the drama i love how they bring on new people it is so entertaining i can't even help myself so yeah definitely listen every week to get our bachelor bachelorette bachelor in paradise updates so that's all i had as far as recaps. All right, everyone, I have a very special guest today. Her name is Emily, and she is a premarital financial coach. Everyone, please welcome Emily. Hi, I'm excited Hello. to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Um, we connected through Facebook, which I think is so cool that, you know, that's kind of how we found each other. And I am very excited to have a conversation with you about everything finance and money and getting married and all that fun <laughs> stuff. So I'm really excited. So tell us like a little bit about how you got into this career and, you know, what made you intrigued on it? So my husband and I have been married for just over nine years. We had our anniversary last week, which is exciting. It's like nine years. That's crazy. Um, but I've been basically in charge of our money since we got married right out of college. And that's made things pretty easy for us because he's pretty hands off. And I started realizing that more and I started realizing more and more that money is kind of a big source of conflict for a lot of people. Yeah, like we fight about plenty of things, but money for us has never been that source of conflict. But just opening my eyes to, 
Oh yeah, that is like the number, like communication around money is like the number one issue that people have in their marriages. Yeah. Like, the majority of people, money is just that huge source of conflict. Um, and I've always been a big fan of budgeting on all that kind of stuff. And I kind of fell into financial coaching when I didn't get a job that I was applying for and realized that what I was excited about for that job was helping people budget. And so then I was like, wait, financial coaching is this thing that I hadn't heard of before, but found out about. So what if I could help people make budgets, but then also help people talk about money better right. with their spouse or their future spouse? And if we could for, I've always been really passionate about working with people before the issue really comes up. I'm a big yeah. fan of sort of that um, preemptive work, that proactive, you know, let's maybe we've started noticing that, you know, we're a couple years into our relationship, we're engaged, we're starting to get married. Oh, you know, everything is fine and dandy, except money kind of, we just sort of don't talk about it because whenever we talk about it, right. it's not good. It's like, okay, so rather than, waiting 10 years when you've been fighting about money for 10 years, because I've worked with couples who have been married longer as well. Mm -hmm. But what really is exciting for me is working with those couples who are realizing that this could end up being a huge issue. Right. So let's, let's right. deal with this before it's there. I like that because I've heard of a lot of couples like, you know, they get married and they're like, oh my God, what are we even going to do for like our finances? Right. And I'm sure you run into that a lot and it's like, oh my gosh, let's talk about it. So <laughs> That's like, that's a really cool, like your background and like, it seems like you love working with people and obviously the finance part of it is intriguing for you. So, I mean, that, I mean, it's very niche. So I was super mm -hmm. intrigued by like kind yeah. of how you started it and like, um, so that's really, really cool. So has this been your career? Like, for... well, my, my degree is in music education, so okay. no, cool. um, but my, my, the big part of music education that I really love is working one-on-one -on -one with students as well. Yeah. So I've, I've been teaching private lessons and being able to really tailor that advice that I give to my music students to, you know, this student needs help with this and this student needs help with that. Right. And, you know, what I say to this student may have absolutely nothing to do with this other student, right. whether at oh. all or not, they're not ready for that now. And so tailoring that to my financial coaching as well, being able to work individually with each couple and sometimes mm -hmm. even individually with each individual in that couple to say, you know, here are some things that might help you or might change your perspective yeah. on that for you or that kind of thing. Because not all couples need help with everything. Like having kids, for example, talking about money, things around kids, not all couples want to have kids. So right. talking about that with everybody doesn't make sense. Some couples have kids and have already had the conversation. They're like, oh, yeah, we've got this figured out. Great. And we don't need to talk about that. So what's your pain point? So we can focus on your pain point rather than big overall, you know, 73% of people say this. Well, what about the other 27? Right. That's so true. So how do you find new clients? Like, how does that part work? Do you have like a big clientele, word of mouth? Like, how do you get new clients? Mostly word of mouth and referrals from other clients, family and friends. Um, I'm working on connecting with premarital counselors. So people who are doing broad premarital counseling, whether that's pastors or therapists or that type of person. Um, right. Some officiants also offer that. And so when they're working with, with um, couples and go, oh, you know, money showed up on this, you know, big broad um, test isn't the right word, survey kind of thing that we do. Money showed up in yours as something you need to work on. I yeah. don't know how much I can help you. Oh, hey, here's this person I can send you to to get help with. 
Oh, I love that. That is so cool. And you do this full time, correct? Um, I'm working on getting there. I have a four-year-old who I'm primary caretaker of right now. So I'm excited to get her in preschool five mornings a week this fall and then in kindergarten. So I can just sort of keep building that and start having more time to focus on that. Wow. That's really, really cool. So a lot of people asked me like a bunch of different questions. So I definitely want to go over some of those because yeah. it's such an interesting topic. And um, I've been with my boyfriend for almost a year now. So this is definitely, and we live together, but this is definitely something that like, I know mm-hmm. a lot of me and my friends and, you know, some of my followers are going to be going through and like, you know, how do we plan for this and that? So I definitely want to get into some of those questions. Um, so one of the questions being, what do you suggest is like the best way for um, a couple to start saving money? Um, just like in general, saving money, not necessarily for anything specific. Yeah, just like putting money away. What would you like, what's your best suggestion? If saving is something that you've really struggled with before, I'm a big fan of out of sight, out of mind. So opening a maybe a high yield savings account, not that any savings accounts give terribly a lot of interest right now, but mm-hmm. finding one of those that at least gives more than your standard savings account at a different bank where it's kind of a pain to get to it. It's not like, oh, I can just transfer, you know, that $500 we have saved out of savings and it's in my checking account in 30 seconds. But right. one of those where it takes one to three days oh, for it to that. actually transfer over because then it's not easy access. It's a little more painful to get to. You have to think about it a little bit more. Maybe right, you start right. the transfer, but then three days later it shows up and you're like, yeah, maybe I don't actually need that. And then you can transfer it back or whatever. Right. That's a good point because my mom actually does that. She has like a, mm. a bank account separately that she like puts her savings in. But so I have mine all in one, one mm. bank. So that's a good idea to just have a separate one. I decided my, I totally agree with that because sometimes I'll do that. I'll like go in my savings account and I'll just throw some money in my checking account. And I'm just like, Janae, you're really losing out on that money right now, but it's so convenient that it's like, so that's a good point. So a lot of, for a lot of people, it's not the saving itself that's hard. Like, you know, I'm fine at transferring $50 every check, $500 every check, whatever to my savings account, but then do you leave it there? Or the other, the other side of that is having a specific reason for saving. Is the money in your savings account for an emergency? And if so, what counts, what constitutes an emergency? Is it Mm -hmm. if you lose your job? Is it if your car breaks down? Is it if your house gets, I don't know, personal example, is it if your toilet leaks and your, and causes mold and your insurance company says, yeah, we don't cover mold. And so suddenly you have a mold bill to cover. That's what we've been dealing with. Oh, What is that saving set aside for? And if it has a specific reason, then when you go to transfer it out, go, okay, is what I'm, the reason I'm transferring it out more important than what I'm saving for? Or is it, am I transferring money out because my car broke down and I set it aside in case my car broke down? Great, good to go. Oh, I'm pulling this out because I want, I don't know what's, I want to go out to eat. You know, I want to go on vacation. Okay, is going on vacation more important? Maybe it is. That's entirely Mm -hmm. possible. Then, Then that's up to you to decide but it's being proactive about making that decision rather than um, just absentmindedly. Oh yeah. I just need more money. I've got money. Let's go to town. That is so, so would you going back to like the savings account thing? So 
is it a good idea to have like two separate savings accounts like the one that's out of sight out of mind and like one that you can you know if an emergency like maybe you have a ton of money in like the out of sight out of mind one but then maybe you have like a second savings account do a lot of people do that like do you suggest that yeah you absolutely can have mm -hmm. multiple savings account for multiple purposes yeah um there are accounts i believe um ally bank i know they have a high yield savings account i believe in there you can do different savings buckets oh, so you cool. can say you know i have a thousand dollars here of that three hundred dollars is in case my car breaks down five hundred dollars is in case my toilet leaks and my insurance company is annoying <laughs> two hundred dollars of that is for um i don't know in case i get sick and have to take a day off work because i don't have sick leave or something like that right right or wow. you can have separate accounts etc yeah so that's something that i actually i think is so intriguing is asking a couple like i don't know some of my girlfriends you know they're married or they just got married actually i have um one of my couple friends they just got married like two three weeks ago and so they were kind of just just like last week trying to figure out you know what they were going to do and stuff like that and um it's weird because my mom and my stepdad will do this weird thing well they'll like write each other checks and i'm like why you guys have shared money why do you have to write each other checks it's so funny and then there's some people that i've heard of you know they have their um checking account you know direct deposited from their paycheck both of them have that and then they each have a savings account and then they have a joint savings account which i think i mean you can say if that's co more common um but it's so intriguing of like what everyone you know what everyone chooses to do and obviously it's all about preference i assume but um would you say you see a lot of that like like a couple having their separate you know savings and checkings and then one joint one i think that's becoming more and more common to have mm -hmm. um you know the one either the one combined account that the both you know all the paychecks go into this one joint account and right. then x x dollars are transferred out or paychecks go into separate accounts and then x dollars for shared bills and goals and such are transferred in either way i think that's becoming more common um mm -hmm. there's still a fair number of people who everything is combined yeah you know, there's just a single account everything goes in everything goes out you figure it out from there and then there are also people like I mean, you said your mom and stepdad have joint accounts and such, but there there are people who are, you know, married for 25 years who have completely separate financial lives, essentially, and that wow. works for them. Right. So it's like you said, it's all about personal preference and what works. But right. Wow. That is so interesting. I feel like it I is. <laughs> I feel like I would have to see like when I get married, kind of how I would feel. I mm -hmm from my thought and you know me and my boyfriend have actually talked about this type of stuff um because we definitely want to get married in the future and have children and buy a house and all this stuff so we've definitely like talked about it, and I think personally I would like to have like separate ones but then have like you know our joint account for bills and you know vacations and and stuff like that like getting ready for a house all that type of stuff so I guess it is you know all about preference but I'm always intrigued yeah. by like how how it works for people you know what I'm saying yep it's about finding um, that that balance of um, convenience to a certain extent, because on the surface, just dumping everything in one pot is the most convenient because then it's all in one place. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. But then balancing out independence, because some people, whether right. because they've had previous relationships that have had, whether it's 
goes as far as financial abuse or yeah. even just, you know, your partner had some toxic financial habits, have been really burned by merging finances in some way with a previous partner. And so they're right. like, ah, either I need complete independence or at least I need my own money and yeah. having that independence. And then a lot of people don't like the feeling of their partner knowing what they spend on everything <laughs> or like, I don't want you to know how much I spent on your Christmas gift, or I don't want you to know right. how much I spent on my haircut, or I don't want you to know how much I spent on car parts to use two stereotypes that often right. go along with men and women. So sometimes having that little bit of separation and some couples just don't care and like, whatever, just dump it all in one pot and we'll figure it out. Interesting. So. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to lie. I like to go shopping a lot. <laughs> so I feel like I would be like, Oh my God, I don't want him to see, <laughs> you don't how, need much to see that. Spent, how much I just spent at Marshall's. Like, yeah. And he so probably is, has, he probably has things he feels the same way about that. He's like, I don't right. need to know how much I spent on that either. Right. It's, it's such an interesting concept. Um, what, what would you say you get, do you get a lot of couples that have like opposing views on spending and saving? Like, is it like, do you get a lot of couples? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I have one couple I'm going to start working with soon where he's very focused on, you know, we need security for the future. We need to do all the saving. And she's like, yeah, we have to have fun now. And so finding that balance between the oh. future security and the live our lives now is always an interesting one. Yeah. So what do you suggest on that? Like, what do you think you're going to say to that couple? Or Probably where we'll start will be, what does he need to feel secure about the future? Yeah. Like, because you don't need to save everything. Like nobody, right. when you really get down to it and look at numbers and everything, nobody really feels like you have to save everything. Right. So what do you need to feel secure? Okay. What do you need to feel like you have that breathing room? You're not stuck in a little box of I can't spend any money or I can spend $10 a week. You know, right. what, what do you need to feel like you can live your life and not be stifled? Mm -hmm. And then how can we kind of, are, are they super far apart? Are they just a little bit apart? Do they actually, I mean, it's entirely possible that they do actually line up when you get down to it. And it's just a matter of knowing that and being aware of that. It's also yeah. entirely possible that there's a ways apart. And so then we have to kind of find that middle ground, but about yeah. figuring, figuring out how can we meet everybody's needs, meet everybody where they're at and get to a point where nobody feels like they're insecure or mm -hmm. um, stifled or push down and everybody that's, feels comfortable with it. Right. That's a good point too. It's like meeting in the middle, but figuring out how to meet in the middle, like, right. the, you know, the one person's views and goals versus the other ones and see the difference. I like that. That's, that's very interesting. Um, what do you suggest when one person has a lot of debt and the other partner has little to no debt? That's kind of the, the situation my husband and I were in when we got married. I didn't have any student debt. He actually didn't have a ton, but he had obviously a lot more than I did since I didn't have any. Um, yeah. But again, that's totally situational for the couple. Does right. the person who has the debt, do they feel like that's completely their responsibility and they need to tackle that? Does the person who doesn't have the debt feel like it's the other person's responsibility they need to tackle that? Or right. do they feel like, you know, okay, we're getting married this is going to be our debt. We're going to deal with it together and then sorting that out. So does the person who, let's say they don't want to tackle it together. So right. does the person who has the debt, do they put more money towards the debt and the person without the debt put more money towards living expenses until that gets paid down? Can you find alternate sources of income to help pay down the debt faster? 
what yeah. kind, I mean, the kind of debt also depends, yeah. can influence things. If it's really high interest that you want to get rid of quickly, or if it's low interest that you're like, it doesn't really matter or the mortgage or whatever. But again, figuring out how, what sort of emotional baggage is tied up in this debt because right. money comes with a lot of emotions, which it's is sure why does. we have so many issues with it. Yeah. So figuring out what emotions does each person have around that and then what's the plan going forward, taking all of that into account. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, for instance, I have student debt. My boyfriend has very, very little. And I definitely have like some credit cards and I don't want anything too crazy, but it's definitely something, something. to think about, you know, mm-hmm. like going into, you know, getting getting engaged, getting married, mm-hmm. having a wedding, like how how it, how it's all going to be done. And I think it's, I think it's cool. Like it's a, I feel like it, I, I've obviously heard of financial coaches, but yours is such a specific ninja. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. It's <laughs> such like a, it's such a cool concept. Cause it's like, like you were saying earlier. It's so, I mean, I would say money is one of the biggest factors that couples fight. Like I've heard of yep. that so many times I've been through it and like some of my past relationships. So it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. And I love that you're shedding light on it. And actually I wanted to say um, I was on your website and I saw that you're a founding member of a financial coaches network. Mm-hmm. So let's tell us more about that. I'm really intrigued by that. So the financial coaches network um, helps you the, they have different tiers. They're just starting up. So, I mean, I've only, I've been a financial coach about two years, so clearly they're not that old. Um, So I was part of the founding group that really helped us craft, craft the business side, but then also craft your financial coaching program to Uh really focus on how to best serve the specific people that you want to work with. Because obviously the program that I have to work with engaged couples and newlywed couples Mm-hmm. It's very different than somebody who's like one, somebody else who is in my cohort going through, she works with military, career military families who are, you know, two to six years out from retire from retirement from the military and okay. helping them figure out their financial situation and what they can do when they retire from the military to maintain their lifestyle. Both financial coaches, dramatically different things that we cover, pretty yeah, much no overlap. <laughs> Right. So to really focus on what we do. And then we also have a big knowledge base. So whenever I'm like, oh, you know, I could really use some brushing up on, I don't know, student loans or something like that. I can go watch the videos in there and go like, okay, yeah, there we go. And get nice, reliable information that I don't have to worry about sorting through all of the Google pages. That's cool. Because nobody likes doing that. But (laughs) yeah. That is super interesting. Wow. So it's just like a group of you that kind of started it and. Yep. Well, it's, it's two guys who started it. I was one of the first people to go through the program. Okay. So. Wow. Now, is that how you kind of started this journey of your career? That's kind of how I started getting into it seriously. Okay. Um, about eight or nine months before I did that, I did a workshop at University of Wisconsin-Madison to kind of get into it a little bit more, get a little more formal background in it, be like, you know, I've, I've heard of this. This is actually something I'm good at. Is this actually something I'm yeah. interested in? And had a great time, learned a lot, met some interesting people and went, okay, yeah, this is cool. Let's go. And then awesome. between do you do... having a two-year-old at the time and such, things didn't oh, really yeah. happen. But then right. when the Financial Coaches Network launched, then I was like, okay, yeah, now we're going to go. That's awesome. 
good for you for you know finding what you enjoy doing like yeah. that's I mean that's the goal for everyone I assume is yeah <laughs> liking what you do enjoying it not having to like wake up and just be miserable so that's awesome now do you do like in-person um meetings or do you do zoom like or a variety 99 percent of what I do is on zoom even okay. before covid um pretty much right. all virtual I've worked with people from all over their country so cool just, oh so yeah that's a good yeah I mean that just increases your your network because you can yep. connect with anyone so that's yep. cool and wow. meeting in person is hard because it's not like you mm -hmm. can just meet at a coffee shop because right it's a little bit of a touchier subject than most people are comfortable covering in a coffee shop so that's a good point yeah then I'd have to find physical office space which makes everything a lot more expensive so, right and you can do it from your house because yep. you're literally just on the computer that's exactly. actually that's a great business opportunity honestly mm -hmm. that's really cool um so another question some of my followers had is do you have advice for people having credit cards just in general don't have credit card debt would be the first thing. Credit card debt is not fun. It's um, not. <laughs> the interest rates are pretty incredible most of the time. And it, digging your way out of that hole is challenging. If once you're mm -hmm. in the hole, you know, you can. I've seen people do it. I know you can. Right. If you aren't in the hole, don't get in the hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, credit cards are a great tool when they're used responsibly because you can yeah. you get a lot of protection with credit cards that you don't necessarily get with debit cards. Um, the convenience factor that you get with a credit or debit card is really nice. I'm right. terrible with cash. Like I'm a financial coach. I'm good with money. Cash just sort of disappears. Like, it's oh, hard. I had I had $50 in my wallet some time ago and now I have like three. I don't yeah. know where the other 47 went, but so I try not to use cash because I, it just it's sort hard. of monopoly monies itself away. Um, yeah. So having credit or debit cards can be useful because you can track things a little more securely. Mm -hmm. um, credit card points are really great, but then in order to avoid, basically if you treat a credit card like a debit card, you won't mm -hmm. have any issues and it's a great tool. Right. So spending, sort of the key to that is making sure that you're spending money that you are have not yeah. spending money that maybe theoretically I'll have in the future, but you may or may not actually get. Yeah, so that's I'll, good. I know a lot of financial people are like, no, no credit cards. They're terrible. I'm like, yeah, credit cards are great. Just if have to be a little them. careful with them. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Actually, that's, that is really great advice. I don't know if you deal with this. I had one question that I got from someone. Do you ever talk about prenups with people? I don't get into details because I'm not a lawyer, but okay, um, I, I saw somebody or I, it was actually a podcast interview with someone the other day who said prenups are kind of like insurance. You never want to use it, but at least it's there when you need it. And see, now I have yeah. a really skewed view of homeowners insurance. I'm like, ah, they don't cover anything. But <laughs> that's a personal issue. But I like that perspective. Yeah. A lot of people are like, no, prenups are so unromantic. And it's mm -hmm. just you're just asking for a divorce. And it's like. No, not necessarily. Like in when earlier when we were talking about situations where one person has a ton of debt and the other person has no debt, yeah, getting a prenup might help you both feel a little more protected. Or one right. person has a ton of assets and the other one doesn't have very many assets. That True. can give you that freedom to do a little more. Um, right. I, the other thing I, I think it was the same person who said this was that the prenup allows you to you everybody has a prenup if 
if you don't have if you don't have a custom one for you, it's just the laws of your state, which you may or may not be aware of. Yeah. And you may or may not like. So if you have that prenup, you're setting what's going to happen while you are still in love and while you're still happy and you want the best for each other. Right. As opposed to, you know, if you need to use the prenup and you don't have it, clearly you're getting a divorce and things are not good. Usually most divorces are not so amicable and you're fighting mm -hmm. and you're not wanting the, the other person to have the best. And right. so you're, you're getting that insurance at a time where you love each other and you want to take care of each other. Interesting. I thought that yeah. was a good perspective shift. I, like, no, I, it does feel unromantic, but it does right. make sense, but it still feels unromantic and you're in love and you're going to get married. So why would you want to do unromantic stuff? Right. Oh, if you turn it around to make it romantic, you're protecting each other while you love each other. Yeah. Okay. That feels a little different. Yeah. It's definitely about the perspective, I think, on that. Because so, I mean, I know a lot of celebrities do it, but like... Mm -hmm. We all know celebrity relationships are <laughs> yeah. usually pretty rocky if we're yeah. being real here. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I feel like a lot, it's kind of like a taboo topic. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that I was curious about. So when I got that comment, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to bring this up just because I'm like, I don't know, like what the logistics are. And that's a good perspective to kind of think about. So yeah, I totally respect that. Um, what about, so someone asked a really great question. Mm -hmm. What would you um, say is the proper way to plan for a retirement when your employer doesn't offer anything? That is also a good question and something I can't get into too much detail about because I'm not an investment advisor. I don't have all the licenses and all of that. Mm -hmm. In general, um, looking at opening individual retirement accounts, so an mm -hmm. IRA, that kind of thing, I know you can do that. Um, oh yeah, the Roth IRA. You can do that separately from having something through your employer. So looking into that, going to talk to, I always recommend fee-only fiduciary financial advisors. Um, the XY Planning Network is a whole network of fee-only fiduciary financial advisors, which fiduciary means that they have to work in your best interest. Not right. everybody who handles investment advice is fiduciary. So they might be like, well, if you invest in this, it'll be great. And I also get a way higher commission. <laughs> True. And even if they're not doing that intentionally, I mean, if, if there are two products that you feel like are basically equal for the person in front of you, and one of them you get $1,000 and the other one you get $500, you're probably going to recommend the $1,000 one, even if it's maybe not quite the best fit, because it's still a good fit. Right, right. So, um the Garrett Planning Network, I think, is the other network of fee-only fiduciary financial advisors. So oh. going to talk to somebody there, getting their input, um, I would guess most of them would do like a quick conversation. Like if it's like, mm -hmm. hey, I have no idea where to start. They could probably, if you find somebody good, and some of them, I'm sure, would be like, no, you need a million dollars in assets before I'll talk to you. But most of them <laughs> will, for a relatively low cost, maybe even no cost, at least give you an idea on where to start. Interesting. Okay. That's great advice. Um, let's see, what else do I got here? This is a great question. And I have trouble with this myself. <laughs> How do you pay off your debt and also build a savings account at the same time? You know, getting ready for a marriage, say. Yeah. First step, I would say, is figure out how much money you have, if you are paid a regular amount every month. Mm -hmm. And then Remind me if I get 
off track and we could talk about if you don't get paid a regular amount every month. If you get paid a regular amount every month, figure out roughly how much money you have each month over bills and some level of fun. Because I'm mm -hmm. not a big fan of cutting out all fun to pay down debt or whatever because it's like it's like dieting. If you're trying yes. to if you go on a diet and you just like I'm not gonna eat any sugar ever again and you last like six days. That's maybe amazing. six months. I mean six yeah. months would be pretty solid and then you're like no, this is dumb, and you just go back to the same thing. You have to keep some fun in there, some flexibility. So yeah. figure out how much you have left over every month after paying all of your bills, maybe mm -hmm. even, well, no, because we're talking about savings. So after paying all of your bills and having some wiggle room for fun, and then go, okay, how much of this, you know, what's a higher priority, debt or savings? Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, right now paying off my debt is a way higher priority, so I'm going to put... 75% of that to debt and 25% to savings or savings. You know, I have some debt, but it's not that much and I can kind of handle the payments and the interest isn't that high. So I'll put, you know, 30% to debt and 70% to savings. So figuring out that amount. dividing, yeah, um, how much you want to divide that extra money, that yeah. brief tangent. And then I'll go back to, if you don't have regular income, on the topic of extra money, that's another thing I like to suggest is think about, plan what you're going to do with extra money before you get it. So if you get bonuses at work, if you usually get a tax refund, before you get that deposit in your bank and it magically disappears to who knows where, decide, okay, when that tax refund hits, X percent is going to debt or it's all going to save for my vacation next summer or it's all going to save you know, in my buckets for you know, when the toilet breaks and when the car breaks down and, and for vacation and all of that. If you plan ahead of time, it's much more likely that that money will do what you want it to do rather than just sort of evaporate into the world. That is, wow. That is good. That's huge. That <laughs> That's is a huge. Big one. I've, I've noticed that in my own life, in my husband and my life. If we yeah. have a plan for what's going to happen before the money arrives, Right. The money doesn't want it to do. Yep. If it doesn't, then we're like, oh, let's use some of that money to go out to eat. Oh, let's use some of that money to buy this. Oh, let's use, which is all fine. Right. But we could it's also like, set a portion of that aside to go out to eat. And then we know that that's what that's for. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is for that or whatever. See, the out to eat kills me because it's like, it's fun. And it's like, oh, it's yeah. what you do with your friends. But then it's like, it adds it's up expensive. after a while. Yeah. And and even if you get like one drink, if you get an appetizer, it's just like yeah. ching, cha ching, cha ching. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, I only like, for instance, I've recently started doing, you know, I love coffee. I, I work from home. So, um, you know, I have it at home all week, but this mm -hmm. is my thing that I've been doing. So like, you know, years ago, I would buy coffee every single day, which is insane to think about now. I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> So, you know, I have it at home during the week, but then my treat to myself is I get it on the weekends there you like go. from Duncan's. So I, I really, I've, I've been doing that for a couple of years now and it's way better than doing it every day, but it's just setting yourself up to success. And also just, you know, having that in my head, Janae, you know, you can only do it on the weekends, like yeah. preparing myself for, uh, you know, I want to go get coffee. No, it's only Thursday. I can go in two right. days. Yes. That's literally what I say to myself. <laughs> you can hold off like you know I get I get like fun coffee creamers just like make yeah. it interesting have cool yeah. coffee cups little things like that I feel like help mm -hmm. I'm a big fan I'm not a coffee drinker but I really like chai tea yeah and I used to like I had 
powder that I would mix in. I was like, eh, it's okay. Because the, yeah. the, they have cartons of chai concentrate, but they're more expensive. And then I was like, wait a second. If I just have the powder at home, I'm much more likely to go through Caribou or Starbucks or the local place to get chai. If uh -huh. I buy the more expensive carton, uh -huh. that is still about the same price as a single cup from one of those other places, I will drink the stuff at home because it tastes very similar. So That's I was like, oh, if I buy the more expensive thing, then I don't buy the most expensive thing. Right, <laughs> so it right. all works out better. Hey, I mean, whatever it takes. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's an interesting thought, you know, it's just like really putting in your brain the mindset of thinking about what you want to spend and like how you're going to spend it. I actually really like that because like sometimes I'll do overtime at work mm -hmm. and I'm actually going to Hawaii in three weeks. So I'm like, you know, I kind of have it in my brain, Janae, uh -huh. don't don't buy the thing online that you just thought don't like because yeah. I love I love clothes like that's just my thing um I love buying everything purses <laughs> like just shoes and I'm like I have so much and I'm like you know there are certain things that I think are cool to you know mm -hmm. sell them or you know not go to Marshall's yeah. and, you know little things but it's all about the mindset and I think yeah. that that's that's really, really good advice. Let me circle back around now because I remembered if you don't have a regular amount of income and you're trying to figure out debt versus savings, uh -huh. again, you want to kind of figure out how much do I need every month to you know, cover the essentials, including mm -hmm. fun in those essentials, a reasonable yes. amount of fun, whatever reasonable is to you, but a reasonable amount of fun. Then on months where you have a lot of income, set some of that aside for months when you have less income. And then kind of figure that out. If you can, um, I've heard it called a hills and valleys account, where you, okay. you know, if you need just to use nice round numbers, you need five thousand dollars a month, and some months you make three thousand, and some months you make seven thousand. The seven thousand months you put two thousand dollars aside, so that on the three thousand dollar months you can plug that in. Oh. So if like you can that. kind of track your spending, track your income for a while, figure out on average what you need, and then figure out a way to smooth that out so it's not quite as stressful. Oh, I like that. Then you could do the same thing of deciding, you know, what's more important, paying off debt, doing savings, what percentage do I want to put here, what percentage do I want to put there? Right. That's so cool. Um, what would you say is like your, the most common situation that couples, like I know you said some people have, you know, some debt, not a lot of debt. Um, what is like another situation that you run into with some of your clients? The mindset piece of saver spender is pretty mm. common where one person, sometimes it's not that drastic. Sometimes it's just sort of, the, I feel like this and I feel like this. Oh, you're actually, you know, on the grand scheme of things, you're not very far apart, even though sometimes it feels like it. So, okay, right. so let's talk about that. But really that, that saver spender mentality of one person, money just sort of flows through their fingers and the other person just sort of wants to keep it all. Yeah. You know, to have that security blanket of a big bank account or big investments or whatever ask because some savers just want the cash, whether right. that's cash, you know, under the mattress or cash in the bank. Some people just want money in their investments for the future, whatever aspect of that and balancing that out and having those conversations. Now, do you have a lot of couples that you, they're like looking to buy a house or do you have a lot of couples that, you know, are already in the house now they're planning their wedding or both? Can go either way. Yeah. Yeah. So either one, like 
either situation you you've dealt mm-hmm. with a lot interesting yeah and what do you think is a good way to kind of open up the conversation talking about buying a house with a couple um i mean it depends on if they want to buy a house or not not everybody wants to be a homeowner not mm-hmm. everybody can be a homeowner because some places place houses are just almost everywhere now houses are stupidly expensive but <laughs> some places they're just ridiculously expensive yeah um so having that conversation about you know is owning a home one of your priorities and where does it fall in the yeah. priority list and what kind of timeline are you hoping like are you hoping to buy it you know get married and buy a house and move in right away are you hoping to get married and then in three to five years buy a house when you start mm-hmm. starting a family where do you want to fall there do you, know, do you want a standalone house do you want a condo do you want to buy an apartment right what options are in your area do you want to stay where you are do you want to move all that's, of the things that go into that that's yeah that's an interesting i'm sure you have some very interesting conversations with your clients <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, I i i'm very intrigued like it's it's just very cool what you're doing and the, uh, the netflix show marriage versus mortgage was very interesting it was oh so much God. fun I totally watched that show. I was blown away at how many people did the wedding. I, the, the practical side of me obviously says the house is the good investment. Yeah. But at the same time, I, mean, I actually just posted on my personal Facebook page about like a wedding dress. The average bride spends, the bride spend an average of just over $1,600 on a wedding dress in 2020. You know, does that seem like a ridiculously huge number? That's so stupid. You only wear this once, you know, maybe twice. I got to wear mine twice because my father-in-law is a pastor. So we had a second reception at his church because that was the church my husband grew up in a week after our wedding. So it was great. We had a wedding. I wore my dress. We went on a honeymoon. We had a second reception. I got to wear my dress again. But most people, you wear it once and then you're done. So is $1,600 a stupid amount of money to spend on a dress or... Are you putting money in something that you are going to see pictures of for the rest of your life of a day right. that you're going to remember for the rest of your life that, you know, you're going to have a picture on your mantle and you're going to see pictures at your parents' house and your in-laws' house. Mm-hmm. And so you're investing in something that is going to give you joy for the remainder of your life, hopefully, yeah. obviously. So, yeah, two sides. so same, same thing with the wedding, you know, is it stupid to pay $25,000 for a wedding when you could have bought a house? Right. Or are you throwing a huge party for your family and friends that everybody will remember that you'll have pictures for that you'll yeah. remember uh, whichever episode it was where they had a donut wall. It's like, that's so cool. Why didn't I have a donut wall at my wedding? <laughs> that, was that wasn't so a thing cool. back then. But. Yeah. So, and then I, yeah. On that yeah. show, it was interesting because like, I'm sure you saw too, some of the couples, they were like, we wanted to get married for so long, but we didn't, yeah. you know, have the finances or whatever they've been saving for it. And then it was like, okay, yes, you know, we live in a small place, but we really do want a bigger house, you know, a bigger yeah. house that we can own. So right. that show was so interesting. Very I actually should recommend that more to people because it was just like, I was blown away at like, I don't know, the, I was always curious who, like, who was gonna, you know, what they were gonna Who's choose. Who's gonna choose what? And then the other, the other thing with that show is it can be really good. That kind of show can be really good for sparking a conversation with your significant other. If you aren't quite sure how to start talking about money. Yeah. Wow. So if we were in this situation, what would you choose? You know, what do you think? How do, how would we make this decision together? 
using yeah, those you know, pop culture kind of references to use that as a springboard to have that conversation right get the convo going do you run into that a lot where couples are like i have we've never talked about money and they come to you first or like they've been fighting and then they kind of come to you usually they kind of know it's an issue in some way whether it's because they've kind of you know dipped a toe in the water gone nope that's scary we're not going to talk about it anymore or right you know we've had a lot of conversations about this and it's never been a fun conversation it's always been kind of butting heads yeah so maybe a little extra assistance would help <laughs> that's awesome i love that okay well i think it's time for a game all right let's are go. you ready it's easy Sure. so it's um it's called this or that so it's just you okay i have two options and you just pick whichever one you prefer better great all right so the first one is pancakes or waffles waffles but i'm picky about my waffles i'm not a huge fan of belgian waffles i like the thinner crispier ones which is probably because that's how i was raised with the thin crispy waffles so love it all right next one is pasta or pizza probably pasta pasta Hard choice. I know that one's really hard. Um, would you rather have a smoothie or a milkshake? Oh, that's a really hard one. Got to go with milkshake, though, because it's really hard to find a good milkshake. It is. And they're so delicious. Yes. What about would you rather eat a whole lime or eat a whole raw potato? <laughs> um, that's it. I've never been asked that before. I've never thought about that before. Uh, probably a whole lime, I think. Yeah, I would say that too. I think so. Depends on the size of the potato. If it's like one of the bite-sized ones, I'll go with that. But that probably true. a lime. Would you rather live in an amusement park or live in a zoo? Zoo. Zoo. Yep. I'm Love not it. a roller coaster person. Oh, so. true. Easy yep. choice. Uh, do you prefer to online shop or in-person shop? Online. online. If there's if there's free returns, because then I'll just order the thing yes. in three different sizes, and then I can just yep. ship it. Back. And then see which one you like best. Exactly. Love it. Would you rather have a personal chef or personal housekeeper? Housekeeper all day long. <laughs> I don't mind cooking. I hate cleaning. Yes. Yep. Um, would you prefer roses or sunflowers? Probably sunflowers. Sunflowers. They're so pretty. I love them. Mm -hmm. uh, would you rather have the ability to read minds or the ability to fly? I think fly. It would be convenient to fly to go visit friends and family. Who yes. Far away. And just go anywhere so quickly. Uh, it would yeah. be really cool. This one is always an interesting one. I always get right. people with this one. More so, interesting than potato versus lime? I know. That one is such a weird <laughs> one, but everyone is like, hmm, they, it really gets them thinking. And that's, right. that's what the podcast is all about. I love like yeah. the different perspectives. So would you rather have three legs or three arms? Mm. Probably three arms. Yeah, because you could get so many things done, right? Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, theoretically, maybe you can run faster with three legs, but... I don't yeah. care that much about running fast. I could three legs might help me balance better. I'm kind <laughs> of klutzy, so having an extra leg might be helpful, but having an extra arm so you can catch yourself would probably also work. Right? That's so funny. That's, see, that's a good perspective. <laughs> there you go. Would you rather create a new language or create a new holiday? 
new holiday. There's enough languages already. I think we've, That's my true. husband and I are trying to learn Greek because we're theoretically going to visit a friend in Greece sometime. I don't there's so many languages on Duolingo. Like new holiday, I mean, there's a lot of holidays too, but new holiday would be fun. Everybody likes holidays. Exactly, and they're always fun. And exactly. maybe you can dress up, or yeah. you know, maybe have you don't have to work that day. Right, right. Yeah, love it. All right, and the last one is: Would you rather design a video game or direct a movie? Probably design a video game. My husband right. and I are pretty big gamers, so that'd be pretty Ooh. cool. I don't have any ideas for, we don't make games. I don't have any good ideas for games, but if I could, that would be cool. It would be really cool. I think it would be super fun to like, just mm -hmm. do something wild that's never yeah. been done before. Yep. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. This was so insightful, so interesting. I can't wait for my listeners to listen. Um, if you don't mind just letting us know um, where we can connect with you. Yeah, you can find me at my website dreambigfinancialcoaching.com or on Facebook or Instagram, also Dream Big Financial Coaching. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for this conversation. It was so fun chatting with you. Yeah, it's always fun. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share any feedback or topics that you'd like to hear in the future and follow me at My Naked Mindset on all of your podcast platforms. And thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.